Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fear Frequency. It's the 86th episode, if George is to be believed. This is the show where two best friends talk about stuff they like. There's a lot of those out there, so thanks for listening to this one. And yes, George and I are back. How's it going over in Michigan, George, with all this quarantine business? <laughs> uh, it's it's okay so far. I mean, there's uh, some regulations that I'm not super happy with. I don't like wearing a mask uh, to the grocery store, but... They're hard to use. <laughs> they're hard. They're bad in general. Nobody likes them. Uh, but I guess you got to wear them for the public good, I guess. I'll make the sacrifice. You don't want to be a uh, caring about it. Exactly. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to cause a big stink, so I just put my mask on and shut up. But uh, yeah, that's. I mean, most of the things are shut down, so it's good for my bank account because I'm not going out to the bars and drinking uh, three nights a week anymore, which is nice. Uh, yeah, but... that's good. That's good. <laughs> but I can't get a haircut, which I wouldn't have done anyway. Uh, and. <laughs> And I've been able to work from home for like two months, so really I don't have a lot of complaints. Yeah, so I, since I work for a YouTuber, I can just work from home. I have a pretty dope setup here already, so I just use my work laptop. We, just, we have a server we can log into and download all the videos. That's super easy. I can't get a haircut, but I actually need one. <laughs> really, like really bad. Uh, which is good because I only have to wait another month maximum because... Um, you can get haircuts in Michigan, and I'm definitely I'm flying back for Fourth of July for sure. <laughs> I just I need to get out of here. It, California is terrible about it. It's like everything is still basically closed. I can go to my Starbucks and walk in and like take out the drink, but they're only open until two p.m. during the week. They're really? not open on weekends, so that sucks a lot. Yeah, what's the point? Uh, I I don't know. It's really dumb. Um, <laughs> Kelsey, my girlfriend for listeners, she works at Lululemon and they have her coming in twice a week to like ship stuff out. You can do like sto- ship from like store, online I guess. orders. Yeah. Yeah. And our neighbor who is a complete wreck in all of this lit her ass up <laughs> for not wearing her mask from the car to our door yesterday, despite the fact that our apartment door is about 10 feet from hers at minimum. So that's cool. Uh, she was like, yeah, I just wore it for eight hours at work. So I feel like I was okay. It, anxieties and tensions are high over here in California. <laughs> I think a little bit less so here, uh, other than if you are Whitmer, since they she has armed people uh, protesting outside of her home. So I'm sure her anxieties <laughs> are pretty high. But That's so funny. <laughs> I mean, that's bad. That's really bad. It's not funny at all. <laughs> My brother is taking it really seriously. Um, he's on vacation with his girlfriend. I don't know where, though, because our hotels aren't open. Where is he? No yeah. Uh, I saw a guy just got in trouble for taking a picture of him being on a beach in Hawaii because he went there for vacation. And technically, so the technical rules say if you are renting a hotel room in Hawaii, you're supposed to go to Hawaii and then quarantine yourself inside the hotel room for for 14 days. Okay, that's stupid, but all right. <laughs> I'm like 100% sure I already had it because when we went to Vegas for CES, Ken had very recently gone to Japan and he was really sick. Mm-hmm. Like he always, he has respiratory problems all the time, but he had definitely like respiratory illness. Matt caught it 
and then I caught it from him and Austin caught it because our office is tiny and there's six of us. I don't think Josh ever got it. I'm actually, no, Josh did get it and it was all the symptoms of Corona. So we all had it. Kelsey also had it. I'm like 90% sure. (laughs) So we're just like quarantined. And you know what else sucks? I paid off most of my Disney pass, like 85% of it. And that's, delayed like they just stopped payments on it because i have a little bit of a payment every month to make on it because i didn't totally pay it off they were like we'll just pause it and then when this lifts whenever and they reopen it'll just pick up as if it didn't change anything so that was like added onto the back end yeah but when we moved last year our rent basically doubled so we didn't do the disney pass and then as soon as we got it back <laughs> this shit happened. completely shut down yeah you know it was weird because i also flew to seattle at the very beginning of all this for that Xbox video (laughs) that we did at work. So I was like unknowingly playing in the danger zone. I also went to Florida right before that. So yeah, you're a real world traveler right before this all broke out. So no, I'm not concerned about flying home uh, in July. That's basically what I'm saying. (laughs) Moral of the story (laughs) is you're going to fly back to Michigan. Yeah. But the best part about all of this is working from home means I can just watch TV while I work. And then after like, I'm already home. I don't have to drive an hour anymore. So yeah. I just play a lot of video games now. Yeah. I love uh, being able to sleep in an extra hour and not have a two hours worth of commute a day. It's pretty yes. nice. It's great. It's so good. And we're both fortunate to have companies that do that because a lot of people just lost their jobs and that yeah. sucks. Really is a tough time for a lot of people. So we're, we're pretty fortunate. Yeah. So we wanted to give you guys something fun to listen to while you're playing games or watching movies if you are stuck at home so we're gonna change up the format a little bit here we're just gonna make it more casual so george and i can just sit down once a week catch up with each other on what we've been playing and watching give you the highest profile horror news not the like 50 biggest news stories just the ones that we really think are worth talking about and then we'll just tell you guys what we're playing and watching so we'll get right into the news stories First up, let's talk about Scream 5, George. Since we last recorded, Scream 5 has completely blown up. We knew, we definitely talked about this last year, Spyglass bought the rights to a new Scream movie. We talked about that. Remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where we were kind of speculating whether it was going to be one of these, like a requel, or if it was going to be a straight-up sequel, or, or a complete and total reboot. Yes. And it turns out that a lot of stuff has happened since then. Basically, what's going on is they got a director. So, well, two directors. The guy's names are Matt Bedellini Open and Tyler Gillette or Gillett. I don't know how to say it, but you'll know them from Ready or Not. They directed that last year, and they have a third guy who they make everything with. And collectively, they're known as Radio Silence. So, I think when you see, yeah, when you see Ready or Not, it would say directed by and written by Radio Silence, which I think is fucking cool. Yeah. And that was uh, one of the highlights of last year. I thought that was kind of a really cool original idea. They also did a segment in VHS, which is, I don't want to say the weakest. It's just like the one I always forget is in the movie. It's the one where the kids find that Halloween party. Okay. So they did that one. But they also did the opening and closing segment in Southbound, which is arguably the best ones. So that's cool. They're, they know what they're doing. I'm really excited about that, having them directing, because obviously Wes Craven can't direct Scream 5 because he's not alive anymore. He's bones. So <laughs> it's going to be executive produced by Kevin Williamson this time instead of written, 
which is weird because he wrote Scream 1 through 4 and I Know What You Did Last Summer. So it's he's executive producing. So he's attached to the movie, but he's not writing it this time. Um, but Neve Campbell and David Arquette are coming back, which basically confirms that it's definitely going to be Scream 5 and not like the TV shows where it's a reboot or remake. Right. Do you think that was the right way to go? Or do you think they should have just started over? Yeah, You know, the thing is, I think... For a lot of these series, they kind of needed a requel because a lot of the movies in between are garbage and kind of ruin the entire like lore of the franchise. So to bring it back to its roots is kind of what the series needs. But I don't really think Scream has like a low point. I think all the movies in the series are actually like good to great. So Yeah. Three's the worst one and it's still fun. Like it's hilarious. Yeah, like it's still a if- good movie brings the comedy factor so like i don't really think i think this series is kind of special in the way that it stayed consistently really strong so i think it has not only a a loyal fan base that have been watching it since the 90s but it's a solid series that i think a lot of people pick up on especially when they kind of go back into the uh you know the older horror movies if they're a new fan and want to check out some of the older stuff i think this is definitely one of the standout series people go back and revisit and it still has a lot of life in it. So I think that this is probably a good idea to continue where it left off. Yeah, Scream 4 was definitely ahead of its time. Like, it's way more relevant now than it was when it came out. I'm just curious. Like, slasher movies kind of went away. So I don't really... I don't know what the best option is if they're just making it Scream 5. Is it going to keep being a slasher movie with, like, Ghostface? Or are they going to modernize it? and satirize what's popular right now which is like conjuring style possession movies right you know like i don't know it's good that we don't know because with the other screen movies it was basically like okay uh sid's coming back to town because there's another killer haha <laughs> I-, I feel like the safe route is to do that and that's what they'll probably do because it's a new company owning the license right and they know they if they play it safe bring back fan favorite characters keep the plot like fairly standard it'll have a force awakens effect where they get people hyped enough for the original movie that's going to come out after which seems to be like what's going on with halloween as well right that was kind of what i was gonna uh allude to as well where like if they can kind of have this mainstay kind of revitalize the the public opinion of it or or least uh, re-engage interest for people then you can kind of do weird stuff with spinoffs or sequels at that point but um, I'm, I'm excited though. I think it's cool that Neve Campbell and David Arquette are coming back. Um, I think it's got a lot of potential for sure. Yeah. I bet it's just a matter of days until Courtney Cox signs on too. the, the I, thing I saw a lot of people tweeting about is that they're like, okay, if they're doing this, they got to kill off one of the main characters, either Sid or Dewey have to die. And it's like, I disagree. I think because if this was the third movie or even the fourth movie, I'd say, yeah, go for it. But this deep into the franchise, I I think both Sid and Dewey have plot armor. Yeah, I mean, it would just... <laughs> it'd be too weird to have them survive this long and go through all the stuff that they have just to be killed in, like, a fairly predictable way or, like, just a typical slasher way in the, in the next movie. It, it would just kind of, like, betray the characters that have lived this long to go out in, like, a generic way yeah it's like if michael myers just 
easily murked Lori in right. Halloween 2018. Like, that wouldn't happen, you know? Like, <laughs> they have experience, both of them. And I don't, like, I don't understand people's obsession with main characters being killed. They're like, Lori Strode needs to die in Halloween Kills. It's like, no, she doesn't because she's the main fucking character <laughs> of the franchise. Like, I, I don't think inherently killing off the best character you have makes it a better story because look at what destiny 2 did they killed off their best character in with Cade in that forsaken expansion yeah people remember that but everything since then has been pretty mediocre story-wise you look at uh the walking dead they didn't learn from the comics when they killed off their best main character which was glenn and people were pissed when they did it in the show so yeah like i don't know you're not gonna replace sid five movies in if it's a direct sequel i guess is what i'm saying right and i don't know i I think to kill a beloved character for shock value is like just kind of a cheap gimmicky way to gain attention and i think that it can do that in a smart way without having to do something like that yeah and if you kill off all the main important characters the sequels are just doomed to fail essentially so i think it's smart that they're bringing people back I was kind of excited to see, like, their take, like, Scream's take on an A24 movie, you know? Like, what would a horror fan talk about? It'd be, like, The Witch or Hereditary or The Conjuring or The Purge franchise. Yeah, totally. You know, all these cheap movies. They have so many different types of horror that's popular right now they could go after. And I guess they still could because... They could even do some kind of, like, forum or debate between like the merits of if they were going to do uh what's the name of the the scream franchise within the stab i think it's stab stab like it'd be kind of funny if they had like a town hall or like an some kind of discussion between like remaking stab in like an a24 style where it's like gritty and dark and atmospheric and like you know kind of obtuse or if they do take the blumhouse route and make it like very accessible and PG thirteen and like put Lucy Hale in it and like all that kind of stuff. People were upset that Blumhouse didn't get this, and I'm not personally a because I don't. As much as I love Blumhouse and I like a lot of the people who work there, obviously and what they produce, I don't think they should have every franchise. You know, it's like you, you don't want one company making all the movies, and also Scream is traditionally a franchise that. Uh, operates with bigger budgets than what Blumhouse usually slaps on their movies. People think because Scream takes place in a largely residential area that you don't need a bigger budget, but having multiple shooting locations in a town is expensive. Bringing back David Arquette and Neve Campbell is expensive, you know? like mm-hmm. I think it just is commanding a little bit bigger of a budget than Blumhouse traditionally gives their first movies. And These guys have been slumming it with shit budgets for a long time. (laughs) Right. I mean, I I think like, like you were saying, Halloween 2018 was the first Blumhouse movie that really pushed the envelope in terms of like being an expensive horror movie where before they had, you know, a hard cap at somewhere around $5 million. And yeah, like 10 million on Halloween was a big deal for them. And that was only able to happen because they gave what the fuck's his name? Jordan Peele, 10 million for Get Out. And they gave M. Night Shyamalan 10 million, I think, for The, the Visit. Gift? Oh, the, yeah, The Visit. 
The Gift was awesome, though. That was a good movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think Scream... I think we need more of these mid-budget horror movies to come back. You know, stuff like The Ring or Scream, obviously. Just like a little bit bigger budget than you would normally give a slasher movie. Because giving it that, like, I guess more Hollywood look brings in a bigger audience. And obviously that has the potential to run out of hand like it did before. But I feel like that opens the door for more characters like Freddy Krueger to come back. Because you're not making a Nightmare on Elm Street movie for $10 million. Right. I'll take I that. Mean, like, yeah, definitely. And and I think the general public has shown that they will show up for big horror movies. I mean, I think oh, yeah, totally. both of the It chapters did extremely well at the box office. The whole Conjuring yes. franchise has done very well. Um, you know, Halloween like broke records for Blumhouse. So I think it's clear that if you make it, the horror fans will show up and, and support these kinds of movies. The Conjuring is the exact level that I was thinking of that whole time. Like that level of budget where does it need that much money? Not really. Can that money be put to good use without being wasted? Definitely yes. You know, it still keeps their creativity keeps them in the creativity radius because they have to work around not being able to just rely on CGI cough, cough, it chapter two. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think, I think the spyglass company is one to keep an eye on because they're also doing Hellraiser. Yeah. That's really interesting. I didn't think about that, but that is another one of these kind of sequel, you know, bringing back this series that could be huge. I mean, that's even crazier because HBO max also, like, they split the rights for Hellraiser because Hellraiser, a lot of these big horror franchises like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Hellraiser, Halloween, they all were trickle-down purchases after the Harvey Weinstein explosion, after the whole Me Too movement happened. Because Dimension and Miramax and the Weinsteins, they owned a lot of these franchises and other people were able to pick them up. So part of that fallout was that HBO and Warner Brothers got the TV rights for Hellraiser and Spyglass got the movie rights. So David Gordon Green is making a separate show for HBO Max set in the continuity of Hellraiser movies in addition to the new Hellraiser movie we're getting. So Hellraiser is looking like much more like popular than it has in years. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of shocking that there's almost a resurgence right now for that series since... I mean, that one really doesn't have, like, an excellent entry in the franchise other than the original one. Yeah, the second one's fine. Like, it's very similar to Halloween and Halloween 2. You still really like the second one. You still watch it. But it's not going down as an all-time classic. Right. (laughs) Especially the way that, like, the original one is. Right. It's a fans movie. And 3 is fun to watch, but I wouldn't call it a great movie or anything. (laughs) No. It's... It's funny. It's got funny ideas, but I wouldn't call it scary. So, yeah, it's cool that Hellraiser's back. Child's Play, I don't think they're doing anything with the reboot like license right now. I don't really know what you can do because you can't make sequels to Child's Play if you're MGM. So, right. they're going to have to figure they're going to call it like Buddy Returns or something. Yeah, that and then the Dan Mancini or um the sci-fi show. Yeah, the sci-fi show that's coming out that'll be Yeah, Don Mancini's show. Yeah. That'll be good. I'm excited for that. I mean, no, it might not be good. I'm just excited <laughs> that he's doing it because he kind of got dicked hard. Right. 
but we kind of got off track there. Regardless, Scream 5 is looking good, shaping up to be good, and having more companies working on this stuff, I think, is the best option here. We don't, as much as I like Blumhouse, we don't need them making every horror movie. No, competition's good for everybody. Yeah. Next up, Halloween Alert is back. I hear Dr. Loomis screaming, so we got some Halloween news to talk about. Uh, Halloween Kills is in a weird spot right now because it comes out October 16th and Universal movies are banned from AMC theaters for the time being. So people are taking that to mean that Halloween Kills is a guaranteed lock for VOD and it's just not going to happen because <laughs> people are like, it's only a $10 million movie. That means they only have to make $30 million, or it's a $20 million movie, so they need to make $60 million to be profitable. Yes, that's true. But it's the middle of a trilogy and it's the sequel to a movie that made a quarter of a billion dollars. So I hate to break it to you guys, but if Halloween Kills does not make around that or more, you're not even going to see Halloween Ends. That, that <laughs> franchise is going to get rebooted once again because the people who are fronting millions of dollars for marketing and to get this movie made, they're not going to be like, we're going to make Halloween Ends for the fans even though we put Halloween Kills on VOD and only made $100 million on it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just a ridiculous. I mean, I, I understand that some movies have tried the VOD approach, um, but really, I don't think it was anything that anybody expected to do extremely well without it. I mean, it's what Scoob, uh, Onward, the Trolls World Tour. Like, I don't think anybody really. I mean, they're kids' movies, so they make money anyway. But I don't think anyone was expecting those to be huge box office smash hits. And they're going to do better. Onward got screwed <laughs> big time because it was in theaters for a little bit, got killed by the virus, basically. It came out on my birthday, so that's why I remember this. And then they released it early on VOD, but then they were like, it's going to be on Disney Plus in two weeks if you want to wait. <laughs> so, yeah, and Trolls World Tour, the story there was it was profitable, but Universal was just excited that they made money on it because the last Trolls movie just kind of broke even. Yeah, and I think they said it was, like, profitable for a VOD release. Like, they weren't saying that they made a ton of money on it. They were just saying that, like, they were surprised they made money on it. Yeah, it was very clearly, just the way that article came out, how one site had the exclusive, it was very clearly spun in a way that made that movie look far more successful than it actually was. And once once again, Halloween's an event movie for... Uh, universal if it was halloween ends i guess i could maybe see a simultaneous release because that's the end of the trilogy but they have to like live up to the standard set by halloween 2018 financially and then also prime the brand to return even more money down the line in right. halloween ends you're not doing that with a vod release it's just, Definitely it's, not. it's just facts and people get mad that I say that they get really pissed in my videos, but I don't care that your opinion is they're going to release it on VOD when I'm doing fucking research on this to, to back it up. You know, like that's my opinion. I feel like I have the correct level of uh, evidence to support it. Whereas some people are like, well, I want to watch the movie at home. So I think it's going to be released on VOD. Right. And I mean, that's just, I, I would say it was possible if, some other huge movies are coming. Like, if they didn't push back Fast and Furious and James Bond and all these huge movies that they know are going to be, like, cornerstones for their company, mm -hmm. 
I think it would have been possible or an idea, but the fact that like every major release that was going to come out has been pushed back to indefinite until the theaters reopen. I think this is lumped in with those more so than it is a Scoob or a Trolls World Tour. Exactly. It's exactly. That's that's a hundred percent right. So yeah, it's if if you want to watch it at home, you might be able to see it a little bit earlier at home, but. I would bet a lot of money that they're not releasing this on just VOD just because of what it is. And also the the Purge 5, I think it's the fifth one, that was supposed to come out in July and they delayed that indefinitely. So if they decided to put the Purge on VOD, that would show confidence in its ability to make money on VOD. Because the Purge is kind of similar to Halloween in terms of budget and scope for them. Because those movies are always insanely profitable. Right. And, and they delayed it indefinitely. So, right, but they're fine putting like the hunt out on VOD because they probably weren't expecting that to really make that much anyway. And it was already in theaters for a week and just got killed by the virus. An Invisible Man they put out because it had already made over a hundred million dollars. So they just put it out early. Right. So it's, it's a weird situation. But speaking of Halloween, there was some positive news over the weekend. They did this Halloween at home event where a bunch of people, basically anyone involved with Halloween 2018 was live tweeting it, but it was hosted by mainly David Gordon green on the Blumhouse Twitter account. Cause he doesn't have a Twitter. And the, this was really cool for me because my biggest complaint with the Halloween Blu-ray is that there's no director's commentary. So we finally got to like get that even though it was via a few tweets. So we got to hear from David Gordon Green because he keeps a pretty low profile on his work, you know? Yeah. I mean, it is, it was kind of disheartening when we saw, you know, there was no director's commentary, nothing like that. I think especially for a movie like this, where, you know, there's like some really cool behind the scenes stories and how they make the effects and stuff like that. Um, And we did get to see some of that this time, which was cool. I mean, there was like um, Ryan Turk tweeted out the, um, that pumpkin scene where it's like the pumpkin coming back to life and how they did that time lapse. And they just had that one room at Blumhouse that was like, no one was allowed to go in it. But if you wanted to find out about it, you could contact the art department. And like, it was just kind of cool to see some of the, you know, filmmaking aspects that went into it that you wouldn't really think about. Yeah. And Ryan Turk gave so much perspective on making this movie, which is great because usually producers are just like there to, make sure everything goes okay but he gave a shit so he had all these pictures and all the stories like the one you told which is great david gordon green shared some cool stuff jamie lee curtis was awesome judy greer was super active which yeah, was fun i was kind of surprised that she was uh as active as she was i figured that this movie wouldn't really be something that she would be that involved with and she like knew the mythology of the movie and like the lore and she was all about it so she was a really fun follow for that um i had a lot of fun doing it I think that was a really cool thing to do. I hope that other people enjoyed it, I guess. But we did, basically what David Gordon Green did was use it as an opportunity to be, to uh, get out ahead a lot of the, a lot of the leaks that happened after the test screening and kind of own them as his own reveals, which I thought was cool because that, that old test screening thing was fucking stupid where a bunch of people lied essentially to get into it as Halloween fans. Right. They said that they didn't know. And then they told everyone the whole plot of the movie which was good like the movie was good but a lot of stuff leaked but it didn't really get a lot of press because no one's gonna 
talk about that stuff because it was a shitty thing to do. So David Gordon Green picked the highest profile stuff to kind of talk about. So the first thing he confirmed is that Hawkins is probably back in either a flashback or he survived. Basically, someone said they wished Hawkins didn't die. And he said, oh, really? Like with a bunch of whys and shit like that. Mm -hmm. So he's teasing something. We know there's a flashback that's confirmed. And we know that for Halloween 2018, the initial plan was to kind of like selectively edit the ending of the original Halloween and add on to it. So they were going to have a scene with Hawkins um, arresting Michael as a young Hawkins. And people mm-hmm. think that's kind of what the flashback and kills is going to lead up to. It's going to be a much longer flashback scene set in 1978 leading up to the arrest. I think that's true, but I also, I really think that they're just going to retcon Hawkins death because there's no way they'd go through that much work on a dead character. Right. And we know that Lori is headed to the hospital so it would be very simple for them to be like rolling in Lori beside Hawkins, you know, like that might have also like almost been a, like a test screening thing, but for the general audience where they brought back Hawkins. Cause they know that like, you know, he's very important to the mythos and, you know, has been around in the story forever, but they kind of wanted to gauge interest in terms of like, would people give a shit if he died in this movie or not? And then now they saw that there was like actually a good amount of people do like the character and they left it kind of ambiguous enough to where they could bring him back in the sequel. Yeah, and I really think if he's brought back, he'll just be in the hospital. He's obviously not going to be able to move all that much because he got ran over by a car and stabbed right. in the neck. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like if, if they let him sit it out in Halloween Kills, he is really good prime to come back for Halloween Ends. He has great chemistry with uh, Laurie. Like, Will Patton and Jamie Lee Curtis were great together. And he's a good Loomis replacement. Yeah, I think he's he's the good, like, older guy who kind of, like, knows what to expect character. Yeah, I feel like they know they made a mistake. I'm sure they knew when, like, Halloween 2018 was done that they made a mistake. But at that point, it was just the movie had to be finished. So they kind of were like uh maybe we'll just like retread it a little bit in kills you know right. if we get a sequel like he's dead if we don't get a sequel if we get a sequel we might backtrack a little bit i'm fine with that whatever yeah. he's a great i'm fine with retconning shit like that in service of bringing back good characters yeah i think it would be kind of incomplete without him right and next thing he said we are going to see the myers house george and i have already seen the myers house that's all i'm gonna say so we knew that was coming back <laughs> Um, that was really exciting and that was a hard thing to never talk about, but I (laughs) am really excited about that. Obviously that'll be in the flashback. Um, the flashback, it's going to be such a big fucking moment of the movie. I think I'm really excited about that. I think it might be like a 30 minute sequence or longer. Yeah. A lot of people are like, Oh, it's gonna be like a five minute thing. I I don't think so. I think it's going to be important because we know the Myers house is coming back. The Myers house obviously has significance to Lonnie because he's like going up to the porch. So they kind of needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we're also definitely getting a Loomis lookalike at this point. You can't do a flashback as right. big as this one sounds and just leave him out. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to see, you know, who they cast as Loomis. Uh, but that's going to be weird to have that not be Donald Pleasant. Right. And then the nurse and doctor character from Halloween 2018 the rumor spread that they were Julian's parents based almost entirely on the fact that they're black and he's black. But David Gordon Green 
once again says, no, they're not Julian's parents, but they will be back in Halloween Kills uh, as, I guess, fleshed out characters, hmm. a.k.a. they're going to die. So, right. They'll be fodder. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's like a, a screenshot I got in the teaser where she's like pointing at what looks like a deagle at Michael. So that's pretty funny. The nurse lady. Yeah. Um, I That's that was a weird update. He's basically just confirming stuff that people leaked already. So that's why that seems like such a small, weird update. And then at the very end, we didn't get a trailer or poster as I predicted. And David Gordon Green, the last tweet he sent out was, we're still working on the trailer for Halloween kills. We're strategizing our plan for release based on the realities of the world. Fingers crossed. I feel really good. I want to share so much more, hopefully soon. So that's what we all expected. Why? They're not going to release a trailer for a movie that might not come out in October. It'd be so fucking stupid to put out a trailer now for a movie that might be coming out in October of 2021. Right. Plain and simple. It would have been nice if they had like some very like generic poster. Like if they had something like the poster for 2018 where it's like just the mask on a black background, like the silhouette of the mask. You know, if they had, if they had some kind of poster or something, that would be cool. Uh, but I can see why they're kind of, you know, holding back any uh, marketing until they know for sure when the movie is coming out. Yeah, and I feel like that's the smartest move. But if they want to do what you just said, it'd be cool if they released the same poster with, like, a burned mask. Yeah, I mean, even something simple like that. That'd be cool. Or the original mask. Yeah, if they did, the like... flashback. Right. It's the exact same poster. But with the new mask. Yeah. That'd be cool. Like a fresh mask from the old movie. That'd be sweet. Yeah. So I just think people, you have to have patience at this point because again, like it's not like they're being assholes. They're trying to figure out when they can release the movie (laughs) (laughs) because they have to delay Halloween kills to next year. Halloween ends gets pushed to 2022 and Universal updated their release slate and there's an untitled Blumhouse event film coming out on October 20. No. October 14th, 2022, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that's Halloween ends. Yeah. I feel like they're just reserving that spot now. Yeah, they're just assuming that they're going to have to push everything back a year. Yes, which I wouldn't be too upset about. I'd be bummed because I want to see it, but I feel like that's the reality. Yeah, I mean, it's not not the worst fate in the world, but obviously it would have been cool to see those this year and next year. All right, so that about covers it for the news. Uh, We were going to talk about our review of the mid-season break of Joe Bob, but we actually don't know if it's the mid-season and we've, this is going a little long. So we're just going to shift into what we've been watching and playing. So I'll start out first on my list here. Both of us got into fallout 76 wastelanders, which was like the big no man's sky next moment, big re-release of the game. And I'd say both of our impressions were positive on it. Yeah. I was very impressed with the, uh wastelanders content i thought that you know the speaking npcs are a well fleshed out cool addition to the game it's kind of weird to me that they never had these dialogue options before like why didn't you just have them with the robots but i digress um (laughs) (laughs) definitely definitely fair criticism um but all the story content is cool. I, I like the two factions that you hang out with. I think all those characters are interesting. Even all the side characters that you do extra missions for are pretty cool. Um, I don't think they really added too much to the map. They didn't really add like a new area. They might they added like obviously a few locations for the the new um, factions, but nothing. No huge expansion in terms of map size. But I think all the stuff they did add was 
really good. And I think that they've done a great job of kind of keeping interest going and, and having small events coming out and putting out that new roadmap that shows that there's a lot more cool content coming. Yeah, I actually got an update today, so we'll have to check that out. But I completely agree. It's, it's clear there's like, I'd say, if you just took the beeline through the main story, there's probably like 20 or 30 hours of content here. But I've gotten, because I got it on Steam for free, which is another cool thing Bethesda didn't have to do. If you owned it on PC on the Bethesda store, which was previously the only place you could get it, they just gave everyone a free Steam copy. So that basically reset the clock. And I have 57 hours in just Wastelanders. So for my initial purchase of $60, <laughs> yeah. I've more than gotten my money's worth out of this game. And everything they've added is fun. My big criticism of it, honestly, is that the end game grind is too long with not enough to do. They added in this new currency called Gold Bullion, which in in practice is cool and in theory is cool. There just are not enough ways to obtain it. You can only get a maximum of 200 a day. And I, like the stuff that you actually want can cost like 1500 so you have to do your daily quests every day and they're just very monotonous like it'll be like go to the raiders camp and you go kill someone and then you get the three or four gold bullion or treasury notes or whatever and then you go to the settlers and it's like oh go retrieve my item so you kill someone and then you get your yeah, exactly. treasury notes it, i just think they need more of that they said they are adding more eventually it just feels like a platform right now but it's fun it's just they need to add more of an end game grind that's less of a grind yeah i think is the big issue with it i think this is like you were saying a really strong jumping off point for future content that they're gonna drop like uh what i think i said late this year there's gonna be a new uh, brotherhood of steel storyline coming out so mm-hmm. uh, i think it's cool i think it's definitely a good base i think anybody who hasn't played the game at all yet this is a great time to kind of jump into it and feel it around because it's a lot better than it previously was um and i think there's a lot of cool stuff to come they give it a you can go on like g2a and get it for nothing just it's worth buying just for this free content it really does feel like a better fallout game if you took what fallout 3 and new vegas were this feels like more of a sequel to new vegas than 4 did just the way the dialogue shakes out and the way the plot works like it's very, it has skill checks and you have to pick sides. You're doing like a raid on a vault full of gold. It's a pretty cool story overall. And they wrote it in the sense that when they made Fallout 76, they expected everyone to be hostile and hate each other. But everyone is really nice in this game <laughs> and works together. So they wrote the Wastelander story because it advances the, the game time a year forward. And they wrote that so that the settlers and the raiders are like we're coming back because we see appalachia getting built up which i think is really cool so they're they're writing the game around how people play it instead of trying to influence how people play it with the writing right and which I, I think is sweet yeah and i it is cool that that like that is how it feels when you play it i mean there's very rarely you know some asshole that'll kill you because there's really no no incentive to do so and I, you know, you can walk by someone's house and just like the intricate buildings people make and everything is, is really, really cool. Yeah. And I will, I'm going to give a shout out quick to this guy. No respawns. I would have never touched the building in this game without watching his channel. He has like a, 
10 minute video on just the basics of the house building stuff. And if you just watch that, that's everything you need to know about what works, what doesn't. And then once you have that little foundation, you can just build and it's so much fun. I've had like hours and hours <laughs> of fun just rebuilding and building my house and decorating it. Um, there's so much more to talk about with this game. If you guys want to hear it, uh, let us know on Twitter. I'm at Jimmy Champagne and George is at George Frazard. So your big project, George, over the past month was Persona 5. <laughs> yeah, that was my, yep, yep. Persona 5 Royal was my big quarantine game. I had picked up the original basically when it came out, played like roughly 25% of the game and then put it down and never really came back to it. And now that I was essentially forced to stay inside for extended days at a time, I was like, well, I think this extremely long JRPG would probably be the right thing to bide my time during this quarantine. And I'm extremely happy (laughs) that I did that. How long chunks did you play it? Like, what was the average playtime in a day? Um, I would say on average, I put anywhere from like 5 to 15 hours in, in a single session. Okay. Because you beat it pretty quick. It didn't, it didn't take you very long. Like a little over a week or two, right? No, I mean, it took me probably, mm, I think around, like, like, yeah, like around a month. I mean, my total play... Time is fluid Yeah, now. my my total play time at the end was 115 hours. Um, and I, you know, had a full party of maxed out characters and, you know, had like half of my confidants ranked up. So I, I definitely, you know, put a lot of time into that game. Did it fix anything from the original release of Persona 5? Uh, it's, it's the best reviewed game on PS4 this year. <laughs> I think for good reason. I mean, honestly, I think it's one of the best JRPGs of all time. I mean, it's, it's definitely somewhere in my like top favorite games ever list um i I think really the major things that they changed are one of the annoying um kind of limitations in the base game was that uh one of your companions morgana who's like your pet cat and kind of dictates the story for a lot of the game would essentially force you to go to sleep during certain situations uh, or like at the end of days and now that's open so you have like an extra third of time where you can go out and uh, level up your confidants or study or do whatever to max out your characters. So it just gives you a lot more time to like explore the world and, and hang out with people. Okay, that's cool. I want to play it, but my PS4 is like a piece of shit. So I don't think I'm gonna for a little while. If the PS5 is backwards compatible, I'll definitely end up playing it. That's it's I like Persona. I played four, but I really liked having four on a Vita. So if they could figure out the licensing issues and release it on Switch, which wouldn't be that hard since it's a PS3 game. Yeah, I mean, it's really, I I don't think there's really anything about it that's like that graphically intense to where it couldn't run on like a Switch, let's say. Um, And I think if they were to do to re-release it on Switch, I might pick it up again and put another fucking 115 hours into it. Yeah, I beat Persona 4 twice because I got, I got essentially to the end of the game, then stopped playing it. I don't know why I do that. I did that with Peace Walker too. <laughs> and then I just come back like three months later and I just restart it. Yeah. Like, I don't know where I am. Like, <laughs> so I did that with Peace Walker. I played Peace Walker like four times now though. That second time, once I beat it, it just was like, got the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. I re- Those games are so well suited for handheld. You can just sit and play them forever, which is awesome. 
Yeah, but um, I would say anybody who didn't play the original or, you know, only played some of it and wants to see the extra content in P5R, uh, I think the extra palace that they add at the end is the best one in the whole game. And the two additional playable characters that you can use on your party are both really cool. That's cool that they, like, took what they learned making the original game and then executed on it making the new stuff better because usually when you see that it's like a cash grab that's like oh we added in like oh you know one more dungeon and like two characters and they're just throwaway shit right but those sound actually cool which i think is worth bringing up yeah i mean it it was kind of cool because if they would have just added the initial the ninth dungeon as like a an extra kind of thing and didn't rework any of the previous ones i think that that kind of could have been seen in that light but they literally reworked every single palace for the whole game to make them, like, rebalance them, make the bosses not so bad, uh, change the routes. You, they added a grappling hook that lets you navigate things easier. So they actually went back in and did a significant amount of changes in balancing from the base game. That's good because Persona 5 is, like, four years old, six years old now if you count the Japanese release. Right. Or even eight. It's, it's really old, so that's good. That's cool. So my equivalent game is definitely Doom Eternal, where I really like it, and most people just flew through it and gave up on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I took Doom Eternal really slow. Uh, I did basically a level a night, and I was 100%ing it. So I wouldn't move on to a ne- the next level until I was done. And I thought it was really cool that they gave you the ability to fast travel back through the level at the end of it to get whatever you missed. And that made it so much easier because I did the same thing in Doom 2016. And when I would miss shit on the map, I would be so pissed because I'd have to replay the entire level and then beat it for everything to save. So from that perspective, big quality of life improvement on Doom Eternal. Level design, fucking the best. Yeah, amazing. Seriously amazing. I mean... Like, yeah, it, when you play Halo 1 on the original Xbox, you're like, oh, this is going to change every other FPS. And that's how Doom Eternal feels. Yeah, I think it's just huge. Yeah, those uh, like platforming sections that they added with the dashing and the double jump in the air and grabbing onto things and moving around. I think all that stuff like w- was seriously great for the series. I think that is going to be a really cool addition going forward. Right, and there's two big expansions coming, so that's cool. But the controversial character was the Marauder. I had trouble with him the first time I fought him. I died a couple times. But since I was 100% in the game, there's 12 gore nests, or I forget what the fuck they're called, but they're basically just, they teleport you to a challenge level, and they're gauntlet rooms. And eventually, like halfway through the game, even earlier than that, they start throwing like two marauders at you in those or like they make them just essentially a common enemy. So you get a lot of practice fighting them. So when they show up in the story as it goes on and there's supposed to be this like big moment where you're like, fuck, another marauder. It was easy for me to just be like, they're dead. <laughs> so that was cool. They made him like a nothing quantity, which is nice because a lot of people have trouble with him. Yeah, I, I didn't uh, <laughs> delve into it as deep as you did. I basically uh, played through the story and was done with it i mean i really liked it i thought that it was you know it's probably one of the best first person shooters ever i think it really kind of takes everything that made doom 2016 good and kind of expands on it in meaningful ways um and and i really enjoyed it but i I did definitely didn't (laughs) dive as deep into that one as you did 
Yeah, I read all the lore. It's so good. It's like they went overkill on everything. <laughs> this doesn't need lore, but it figures out a way to connect every Doom game to this one. The cutscenes were sweet. I think there's a big time gap between one and two, so they need to figure that out. Probably do that in DLC. But story was pretty cool. Um, I think the battle mode's fun. I just suck at it. Surprisingly, after playing the game for 33 hours, I'm still really bad at its multiplayer. I don't understand that. So is that already like an elitist group now where people have played it since it's launched yeah. and they're really good and everybody else sucks? Yeah, and I'm going to get fucking good at it. I'm going to do it. I play it two or three matches a night. Um, and my, my win-loss ratio is like one in three. I would say for like every four matches I play, I win one and lose three. You're getting there. But it's, it, it's so quick that... You don't get really bogged down by mm-hmm. losses. It's like, all right, just move on. Because it's 1v2 and two people are demons. And then one is a fully leveled up Doomslayer, which I had a ton of time as in the main game. So I have a little bit of a competitive edge there, which is nice. But I don't know. I got to play it more. I really enjoy it. They keep updating it. It's not something they're abandoning, which means I'm going to keep playing it. Yeah, I'm definitely um, going to jump back in when uh, the DLC comes out. We both went back and finished The Punisher. Yeah. <laughs> or you're not done with it yet, uh, but we're like, we watched season two. Yeah. This was like a weird, I had a weird like fallacy in my brain where I thought that I had watched this season. <laughs> like, I don't know if it was just because he's a really prominent character in uh, the later Daredevil, like Daredevil season three and two. And so I just assumed that I had watched Punisher season two, but uh, I completely missed it and just when you were telling me about it, went back and started watching and it, it is really awesome. The second season feels much more like its own show than the first one did. Cause the first one still brings in Karen and ties into daredevil type stuff. Right. But season two is its own thing. Yeah. Just to- totally its own beast. I mean, really only relies on characters that were relevant in uh, the first season. And the action is absolutely brutal. I mean, Frank is still a really cool, interesting main character. Um, the His, like, sidekick for this season was someone that I expected not to really, like, connect with or be into. Yeah. Like, she she starts off, like, fairly annoying and kind of, like, almost an antagonist. <laughs> Just kind of, like, an annoyance to Frank's life. But really, like, when she kind of comes into her own roughly like you know four or five episodes in i i really actually started to like her a lot yeah and i love the whole plot line with veterans being a core like nature of the show i think that's awesome that billy russo is like making a militia of neglected veterans i think that's cool i like the mental mental aspect of it on his part i like nadani coming back i thought she was a cool character i was like oh is she not coming back they bring her right in Amy's awesome. Takes a little bit to get going, like you said, but she ends up being really cool. Watching the relationship between her and Frank is awesome. I really don't have any problem with that show other than we were talking about this earlier. There's a character called uh, John Pilgrim, and he's like a hitman who dresses like a pilgrim. His story resolves, but you never really learn anything about him or who he's working for. He's just like a cool bad guy. He's like all style, no substance. Right. He's like extremely cryptic. You get some insights into his life. Like you get to see his wife and he's like connected with the church and mm-hmm. you get to see a few things, but, but really as at least as far as I am, he's, he's just shown up, like shot a few guys or like a bad intimidating basically. It also, it has a, 
episode that's just a John Carpenter homage, which is great. It's uh, the police station one in Michigan or in Ohio. It's like the yeah, siege yeah, episode totally. where Frank, uh, Amy, and some local cops have a white supremacist militia coming in on them out in the woods. And it's so cool that that both seasons have one episode that could stand alone as its own movie. The found footage one in the first season is one of them. And then this season, the siege episode is it's like movie episode. Yeah. So definitely, I'm glad we got the show just for those. I, I could watch so much more of the show and it's so far removed from comics now that I feel like they could just make a, a new show called like castle or something yeah i mean i i like i like a few of the other um netflix marvel shows like i thought that the that daredevil is really good um like the first season of jessica jones was really cool but if i i think this one punisher could be like the one that could stand alone where they could pull that over to hulu and just be like this is punisher season three and everybody would be cool with it. It was really cool because right when I finished it, it, re- it reminds me of The Division a lot, Division 2. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, did they fix that? Because the balance was so fucked out of your favor. Like, the game was so messed up in the sense that a dude with an Uzi could, like, one-shot you from 16 blocks up the street. <laughs> and it's just like, they would say, like, no, it's working as we think it should, but they don't play their own game. They test it with an algorithm that has every item unlocked, so it can constantly switch to the best loadout to take on any enemy. And it's like, that's not how people play the game. So they finally fixed it. It was really nice to be able to go back to that game after playing or watching The Punisher <laughs> and have it feel, like, just as rewarding. Because the gun play in The Punisher is fucking awesome. Yeah. And they really get wild with the weapons. Like they have dumbbells and shit. There's a <laughs> yeah. fight scene in a in a weightlifting gym, and he uses every single thing in there. So I don't know. I hope they bring that back. I know that Disney can next year. I feel like Hulu is going to bring it back. Yeah, I I would say th- that they can't neuter this show. It has to continue to have that like R rating, like it does now. Mm-hmm. So I think just put it on Hulu. If you have to call it something else, call it something else. But I would love to see a continuation of this series yeah because like swamp thing is coming back on cw so if that can come back <laughs> i feel like the punisher should be able to on the marvel side right but i you have something on your list of stuff you watch what is the room <laughs> <laughs> i thought you, i like how you put in parentheses shutter original as if because i instinctively just thought you meant either the iphone game or that shitty movie right uh so what is this so this was a movie that i came across uh while watching shutter tv and okay (laughs) so it just came on it just came on and i was like all right i haven't watched a lot of these shutter originals i'll give this one a shot i you know had no nothing about it i'll watch it uh so the basic premise is these this couple moves into this house in new england and in the house there's a room that if you go into it and ask it for something, it gives it to you. It grants your wishes. Okay. And so they wish for a baby because the guy cannot have any children. And as the story unfolds, you realize that nothing that the room gives you can come outside of the house or disintegrates. And so it's like this weird kind of push and pull of like they keep the kid isolated his whole life. 
because like if he goes outside he'll die and he starts to resent them and like the dad resents him it's really weird the acting is borderline terrible <laughs> the premise is like stupid it it was like worth one watch but the ending is super fucked up and like it it, it was bizarre it was a really weird experience to watch this movie were you like asking yourself why am i watching this yeah it was like a train wreck like i couldn't look away from it like i kept watching it and just being like oh my god like what the hell is even going on they they introduced some really cool stuff near the end where there's like some really trippy like illusions and weird shifting of the house and stuff that all like were done pretty cool but i don't know like i don't know what what really needed to be done to fix it i mean better actors and just kind of rain back on the general weirdness of it. <laughs> so like you could just be like, I want a PS4 and then you could just have it in your house. Right. And if you took like the issue was you couldn't have a land party. So like if, if you had your PS4 in your backpack, you would take it to your friend's house and it'd be dust in your backpack. <laughs> I, that'd be fine. I do have like a gaming PC. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, there's a lot of stuff you could do. You could just not leave the house. Yeah, you could be like, I want uh, Chick-fil-A right now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Conjure some (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Exactly. Or like Jet's Pizza or something like that. That's what I would do. Yeah. Why are they fucking around? Why are they messing around and making a kid? That's my question. Why would you do that? Why would you give yourself a burden? Like, you have this room that will give you anything, and the one thing you wish for is a burden. It's like taking it way too far. Like, I mean, I guess that's like... You're looking a gift horse in the mouth. Right. I mean, obviously, that's the... uh, kind of leads to all the like moral questions of the movie but i don't know i I definitely i wouldn't recommend it but i think if it if it's interesting to you at all it's it's almost as worth it for just the weird factor it's a french made english language film yes they have Have you ever heard of that both okay so there's this is bizarre the couple both have thick french accents they speak (laughs) english the entire movie but they have thick french accents their son has an american accent i guess because like the house made him a typical new englander when it, when it conjured him into oh, it's set, oh it's set in new england yeah are they from france i like when i started it their I, I was like I, mean. I was like 15 minutes into the movie so i didn't get the whole setup i kind of pieced it together from from what i watched but i don't know if they were immigrants or or what they're <laughs> why they had these thick french accents i have a shutter story speaking of bad movies when I first got Shudder, there was this one movie on there called Paintball. Have you heard of this? No. So this is like way back, like when Shudder started. There's a movie called Paintball where these people signed up for extreme paintball and then they just realized that the people on the other team had real guns, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great premise. Yeah, it sounds and hilarious. No matter what device or what internet or where I watch this movie, it would always stop at 19 minutes in and infinitely load. Really? And so I just gave, I gave up on it eventually. Yeah. And then it, it's not on there anymore. I looked, <laughs> but I thought about this like a week ago and I like found it online and watched it. It fucking sucked. It was so bad. <laughs> Too much buildup. It was like hype <laughs> yeah. for years. I was like thinking of it like it might be like a wrong turn type deal or something fun. That's bad. Mm-hmm. Like trauma's war or something like right. that. You know, it wasn't, it was just fucking stupid. It was bad. <laughs> But I'm glad Shudder's getting originals now. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I've heard, actually, 
I saw a decent amount of people on uh, the one of these subreddits say that they liked uh, zero zero megahertz, which is another Shutter original, and that was one I okay. I, I kind of wanted to check out, but unfortunately I had the bad dice roll and got the room instead of zero zero mh um but i might might check that out for for the next episode i i saw that on there yeah you type you typed it really funny in our chat so i looked it up you put a space between mh and z i was like what the fuck what is what is this zero mhz what is that but then it like auto corrected uh it's got okay reviews it's a not American movie. Yeah. I'm, I think it's Korean. Yeah, I think that I think that's what I read, but it's I don't know. I haven't done any research on it. I saw that it had some decent public opinion and was like, yeah, maybe I'll check that one out. Actually, here's a here's a good little review for you guys out there. Zero zero megahertz, zero point zero megahertz from twenty nineteen is the perfect film to watch for a movie night. It's fun, accessible, and a spooky experience from start to finish. Sounds pretty and good. It's got a, and it's got like three point eight on Shutter. It's very rare that you see anything with less than five stars. <laughs> yeah, if it's not five skulls, that's pretty yeah, weird. Five skulls. <laughs> huh. I, I gotta check that out. I got there was another one. Oh, I rewatched Haunt. Yeah, great uh, movie. That movie is so fucking underrated, dude. I'm telling you, I just don't understand what people don't like about it. The some people viscerally hate this movie. <laughs> And we talked about it on the show, so if you're a new listener, you don't, well, you wouldn't know because you didn't listen if you're a new listener. It's a movie where these friends in college go to a haunted house that turns out being like a murder haunted house, but somehow they manage to figure out how to make a very realistic haunted house because George and I go to them every October. Like We love this shit. And it felt like a real one. And then it has a turn that's really cool. It's shot better than most movies that end up in theaters. Bar none. This is one of the best looking horror movies ever made. I think I've like ever seen. Cinematographer will win an Oscar one day. Yeah, no I mean, I think what's cool about it is um, unlike Strangers Pray at Night, which kind of takes that neon soaked aesthetic and... Just, and and I, turns it into a really shitty movie. Right. This is like uses cool imagery and really bold colors but in a way that just like kind of accentuates what's going on and makes the movie look really good. Yeah. Like I was expecting candy corn and I got <laughs> trick or treat. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the first half more than I like the second half personally. Um, I, I just think like the actual killer haunted house premise is, is really cool. And I wish it could have kind of stayed that the whole time. Um, but, but there's I, a really good baseball bat hit. There's a good baseball the bat hit, and the characters do actually go through like a full arc by the end of it. So it, it's all for the better. But I just think that the the second half soul strong, or the first is stronger than the second half. Yeah, the the girl who plays the main character isn't very good at acting, uh, but she's made up for by their kind of bigger friend. I forgot his name, but he is incredible. He's so funny. Yeah, he's a real he's force on screen. <laughs> I posted my favorite part with him on my Instagram story and people were responding to me like, I actually liked Haunt. It's like, this isn't negative. <laughs> no, like, this is not a diss. I, liked it. I thought it was funny. I thought it was really cool. I, he's introduced 
to the movie by slapping a drink at Mach 5 <laughs> into the main character's face and then going, son of a bitch! <laughs> Fuck this shit! <laughs> and it's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. I want you in my friend group. He's He loves a party. Comes to a party as one half of a human centipede. He's like, like, what are you supposed to be? He's like, first half of a human centipede. That's why I look like such a dumbass. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's what makes you look like a dumbass. Yeah. Yeah, so I really liked that movie a lot. I also revisited the seminal classic. Uh, what's it called? Trick or no, not trick or treat. Satan's little helper. Ah, always perfect yeah, as always. Always brings you up when you're feeling down. Yeah, uh, that's a good movie. I it went on like a Halloween spree, but I also watched The House Is October Built. I love that movie. I watch the second one every time I watch the first one expecting to like the second one <laughs> you know how like you have movies that on first watch you're just like Ugh. like oh that was terrible yeah but then you go back and it's like oh this is watchable like hell house llc three mm-hmm. i was gonna say two but i don't believe that is watchable <laughs> uh that's definitely what i'm expecting from the house of october built two because where there's like some redeeming quality to it or something that like you'll soften up on in repeated viewings yeah, and there kind of are. Like, I enjoy watching it every time. I just, like, there's just no excuse for it to be as mediocre as it is. Like, it, they made the same movie two times. They should know what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, the issue like, is that the second one that they made, they picked all, like, the worst haunted house in the first movie is ten times better than the best haunted house in the sequel. Yes, the way that the, the first movie was made, I don't know if you know this, I don't know if I ever talked to you about this, but the way the first movie was made was the two guys who made it are actually brothers, right? Mm-hmm. They made the movie, the first movie, The House is October Bill, because they loved going to haunts every year. It was like their thing. They had all these connections. So those are all real haunts in the first movie. And they shot the movie, the exact same pretty much, in 4x3 and 480p. And then they sold it. And then people were like, what the fuck? We can't put this in theaters. So they gave them the money to just remake the movie. So The House is Octoberville is a remake. Technically, of like, you know a, that? like a fan film that they made, essentially. Yeah, but it's like, apparently it's like the same movie. <laughs> like, they go to the same places. <laughs> they they used footage from the original movie of the interviews. Because it doesn't matter if the interviews look kind of shitty. Because they're at night, and they're talking to, like... Uh, you know, people own haunts and they give them prompts on what to say because, you know, they're looking for that one haunted house. Right. So you'd think after making like two of those, they would be able to just walk on set for the second one and make something really fucking cool. But the only cool part is a zombie run. They use the shittiest drone possible. And there's like a Kobayashi like eating contest. Yeah. You know what? I, I actually forgot about the Kobayashi eating contest. <laughs> But that wasn't really Because Kobayashi, weird. like, loved the first movie. And he was like, please let me be in the second one. They're like, yeah, sure, come on in. Like, it feels like feels like the second one, I don't want to be too controversial here, feels like they were just resting on their laurels a little too much. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something we commonly see. Hell House LLC did the same thing, where it's made one fucking great movie in, like, the span of five years, and then... And that can pumped never, out two more. Yeah, could never catch lightning in a bottle like, again. But they're making a fourth one because uh, some someone from the first movie tweeted, like, I just had a dream. I was in Hell House LLC 4 and I came back to life. And then 
Stephen Cognetti re- quote retweeted her and said, "Oh, I had that same dream with like a wink emoji." Mm. Interesting. So, uh, but it's not announced yet. So, you know, maybe there will be more than a year between it and three. I hope so. And <laughs> I hope they take their time with it. Yeah, because I was thinking about it. We used to get like such great VOD movies, dude. I always think about this. We got VHS, VHS two. We got VHS viral, which is better than a lot of the stuff we're getting today. Like I'm. I would shat on VHS viral when it came out, but I'd love it if it came out today. We had The Sacrament. We had The Innkeepers. We had House the House of the Devil. We had uh, Your Next, The Guest. Like, all these movies were so good. Late Phases. Southbound. House of Octoberville. Starry Southbound. Eyes. Like, yeah, Starry Eyes. Like, what the hell happened? <laughs> like, where, where are these movies? Like, I don't did, know, man. Ty West is directing episodes of Scream for VH1. Yeah. What a waste of talent. Not even the good scream. Like not even season one scream, which was pretty good. Yeah, that, was, that wasn't bad. That was fine. But hopefully we start to get more movies like that. Terrifier seems to be like the the movie, the franchise that's holding the burning torch, leading the charge right now. And while I don't think Terrifier is a very good movie, I think Art the Clown deserves the recognition that he's getting. So I'll give it a pass. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's... It's definitely a cool concept, and he's a pretty iconic character, like, in terms of just visual, like, his striking visuals. So, I mean, I think it's, you know, one of the better recent, you know, original characters that came out of, uh, you know, one of those, like, low-budget horror movies. So, I think he deserves at least some recognition for that. Yeah, I feel like we need more of those low-budget movies to find new people. Because Adam Wingard's a big boy now. Yeah, he's, he's got Kong versus, Kong versus a... uh, Godzilla. Yeah, but I guess that about wraps it up here, George. Uh, we had more stuff on our lists, but I feel like we got a good horror conversation out of this show for once, <laughs> which is nice. Uh, let us know if you guys have any feedback. You can hit us up at podcast at fear frequency. No, podcast, fear frequency podcast at gmail.com. That's the one. Is that it? Yep, that's the one. Okay, George still has the password, right? I think so. I hope so. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, so you guys, uh, all you people leaving YouTube comments telling me to bring the podcast back. We granted your wish. Now, the monkey's paw is curling in. And you have to each tell 10 of your friends about the show. Or you will end up in a house that will grant you wishes in a closet and you won't be able to bring anything out of it. You'll have to live the room. The show original. All right. Bye.